Here's a story about a former Amazon seller who ended her near million dollar business in order to spend her time assembling Amazon selling teams. Find out why she made that switch along with getting some cool sourcing tactics on today's episode. everybody and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely unscripted, BS-free, unrehearsed, organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. I've got somebody who I'm not sure how serious she is, but 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 she's she's okay. I'm sure she has some uh, serious strategies here. Christy, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. But you know, I don't know how serious I am because you mentioned that four times and now I feel like maybe this is not going to go. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Hey, you came, you're here in California. You're right here in front of me. It's always a privilege to have a guest here. Usually we, we record these remotely. So I'm just trying to picture they're making faces at me or anything like that. But here you are. This is now happening. you came from Oklahoma, Texas, or where'd you come from today? Oklahoma, OKC. Oklahoma, okay, now is that where you were born and raised? Born and raised, yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, so growing up as a little Oklahoman? Is that you could, uh, you could go Okie or Oklahoma. I thought Okie is like a derogatory term, I mean, like Okie Bob or something like that. I heard about that. Isn't that bad? <laughs> we do have some rednecks. I mean, okay. I think, I mean, I don't know that I would go by Okie. Let I me just I put it this way. Growing up as a young girl in Oklahoma, <laughs> five, 10 years old, like did you already have a vision of what you wanted to do? when you quote unquote grew up? Yes, I was gonna be an architect. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So Hi. so like, how did, I mean, were you five years old and wanted to be an architect or are we talking a little bit later? No, I can't remember what I wanted to be at five, but I knew I hated Barbie dolls. So that's something I can remember. Um, no, but probably like young, like a preteen, something like between 10, 11, 12, 13. I definitely, I had realized that math was, good for me. I understood it. It was very logical. Two plus two will always be four, no matter what language you, and you spoke. And so I thought that would be really cool. And I always liked to design. So my hobby was drawing. And so I would always like create, I would like build houses or I'd like design an RV or something. My parents oh, were really yeah, you know, Are we going to go play with dolls? <laughs> no, I'm just going to go design an RV. You know, I'm sorry. Maybe hit me up tomorrow. Yeah. Typical, typical childhood. Yeah. Now, now how long did this phase or did, did, did this idea last like until how old were you? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Probably, probably through mid, like midway through high school, probably. Okay. So then graduated high school yep. in Oklahoma. Yep. Did you immediately enter university college? I did. Yeah. Um, yep. I went to, I stayed in my hometown. So, um, I'm the youngest of all kiddos and my mom was sick at the time. And so I was kind of the last one. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to stick around here. I really wanted to go out of state. Mm -hmm. I think by the time I was 17 or 18, I, I figured Oklahoma was a little too small for me. And uh, fast forwarding ahead, I ended up moving to Boston for many, many years, but now I'm back. But at the time, I think I'd already known that, but mm -hmm. I wanted to stick around. So I went to the University of Central Oklahoma and I, because of my drama theater stage background, I had um, decided that I wanted to be corporate communications. So basically it was public speaking um, in a corporate setting. And that so was your like, major. That was then. my major. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so then you went all four years there or? All four years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then after that? You immediately went to Boston or? No, no, no. It was a couple of years later. So I couple, I did a couple of- You're older um, than I, I, I think always. Like, <laughs> I still think you're like maybe just graduated college a couple of years ago. That's adorable. But, okay. Definitely not. Brownie points for Serious Sellers podcast here. Right, oh, go right. Ahead. We're going to figure out charming, how charming you are. There we go. Um, so no, so I stayed there and um, I got a couple of, um, gosh, um, I did- 
We're going way back. Okay. So I did, yeah, a couple of public, public speaking things. So I worked for a wholesale travel company. Wow. We're going way back. So, um, I did a lot of sales for them. So I go to a lot of really big events. I would travel all over the state of Oklahoma, Northern Texas. And, um, we would just talk about, um, you know, the travel company. And sometimes it would be a small little audience. Sometimes it would be at, you know, a state fair. And then I think the largest was probably like maybe like 5,000 people in front of a concert. So you spoke I, in front of 5,000 people at a concert. Sure. Yeah. About, about travel. Yeah. Kind of about, well, it was a wholesale. So, uh, it was, that'd be a pretty terrible concert. If I'm, if I'm going to a concert and then all of a sudden somebody's goes up raffle. there. We were, we were one of the sponsors. Okay. So okay. Giving, okay that's yeah. better. Everyone stopped singing. No. Yeah. Um, so it was in between. So there was kind of the MC between all of the artists and in okay. between there was kind of different giveaways. And then of course you got your, you know, 30 second plug. And so we were talking about that and do the raffle, give it away. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now until now I have heard almost zero signals of, of, entrepreneurship or, or e-commerce. So at what stage in your life was your first kind of entry into the world that we're now in oh of e-commerce and entrepreneurship? Sure. Um, you know, the funny part is, um, my, my family is full of entrepreneurs, my dad, brother, um, grandparents. So I, I thought that I was, um, and I figured someday I would be, but it turns out actually nowadays, I don't know that I really, really am a true, true by definition entrepreneur, but, um, I had moved to Boston and I was working there and I was a project manager. I'm very operationally oriented and I was a project manager and I was living in Boston and I was making a, a decent income for that job, but it was the heart of Boston, which meant I was broke. So mm. I, uh, wanted to make some more money on the side and I didn't want to quit my job most like most people. And I just wanted extra side income and I didn't want anybody to know what I was doing. So I was like, how can I do something on the side where no one knows about it? And I don't have to quit my job. And uh, I decided, well, I guess I could figure out how to sell online. What, what year are we talking about right about now? 2015. Okay. Yep. And, um, there was a lot of transitions going on at my company and a lot of transitions in life. And so I just thought, you know what? I, I've always wanted to do this. Why don't I give it a shot? And so I think I looked online and I remember I knew nothing. I mean, no, I didn't even know that you could sell on Amazon. I'd only heard of like eBay. And, uh, I think I looked online and I think I found something that's, you know, how to sell online. And it was something like, you know, you can sell on Amazon. I thought that was fascinating because I always bought on Amazon. And I think I found, I, I heard about private label first. I don't know how I came across that. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I found a necklace that was like a mom's, you know, love you, you know, I don't know, Sapphire necklace. And I saw it on Amazon and I, I didn't know anything about rank, you know, you know, nothing, but I knew that it had like 15,000 reviews. So this obviously was a popular item. I put that together. And then somehow with this article, it was like, you know, you can source from, you know, Alibaba had no idea what that was. I mean, this was like diving in deep day one. Yeah. And I found that same necklace on Alibaba and it was like, I don't know, a dollar or something. It was insane. But on Amazon, it was selling for 35. And I was like, I don't, I'm not a rocket scientist. I don't need to know that. I know that I can flip that and make some money from it. And I was sold right then and there. And I decided, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to learn through a course. I flew back home and then I thought, okay, so I found this course. And so I started walking. I didn't remember. I didn't want anybody to know. Um, and I started walking, uh, to and from work. It took me like 30 minutes or something. And I would walk there and back. It was over the summer. So it was warm. Are we still and in I 2015 or are we up to 2015? Okay. Yep. 2015 walk there and back. And I just learned every day that summer, I would just put on, you know, whatever the training video was, walk there and walk back. So it was an hour every day. No one knew. And then finally, I think I pulled the trigger sometime in July. I opened up my account like July 31st and I sold my first thousand dollars. My goal was by September 1st, which is my birthday. 
And I sold that by like, you know, the end of October or uh, sorry, the end of August. This was arbitrage. Yeah. I started with arbitrage okay. because what I realized was I, I, re- there was somebody who put out like a pyramid that was like, you start with the, the easiest entry barrier to entry was retail arbitrage okay. and then wholesale and then private label and then partnerships. That's, I saw some sort of pyramid. So I thought, well, got to start from the beginning. Pyramids usually are bad in the business world, but in this case it was okay, I guess. <laughs> this kind of was, it was in terms of um, barrier to entry and knowledge. Okay. So, and I would still kind of agree with that to, to this day. So anyway, I, I started selling that and that will forever be my hazing period within this new business of my life. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, I sold all the way through that Q4. Um, I didn't go into debt. I didn't have a whole lot of money to spend on it at the time. And I think I ended up making like five or $6,000 by the end of that year. Profit. Profit. Okay. Yes. And so I thought, okay, I've definitely gotten on something. So I went home for Christmas because I was living in Boston. I went home for Christmas and I was like, okay, I can finally tell people I'm, I'm, I'm proud of this. So I can finally tell. And then I thought, okay, I'll buy again and maybe I'll keep this whole thing up. And then January hit and stupid me was like, you know, everything tanked, of course, yeah. you know, ranks, everything. And I didn't realize that cause it was my first season mm-hmm. and I was living off that high. So I thought forever, never again, not doing this. And that's immediately when I started learning about private label. Okay. And I was in my certification course for PMI, uh, project management certification. And I remember being in the middle of this, uh, course and I had this brilliant idea. And so it was, um, basically this little card. Um, it looked like a business card. And I knew enough to know that, I mean, it had a rank in pet that was like, I don't know, like 4,000. It was Merchant Fulfilled. It was like six bucks. It looked like complete crap. And it had like 50 five-star reviews. And I was just immediately like, okay, I could totally make this. I could, this is a business card. I could just go to Vistaprint right now and print this off. And so I did, I made that decision and I was like, you know what? I don't know a whole lot about graphic design, but I had, you know, Photoshop. So I went, I recreated this, made it look better. I was going to just source in a bunch of different places, but it turned out that I could source this whole thing. And it was like, you know, 50 cents or something, uh, to do this package. And then I thought, well, I'll just do it FBA. I'll jack up the price to nine 99. And I did. And within, you know, I sent that out and I spent less than a hundred dollars getting about a, you know, whatever it was after shipping and everything was like, I don't know, like 120 bucks or whatever it was. And there I am not good at numbers, not remembering this. Um, but anyway, I sent it in and within the first two days it sold. And by the end of the week I started selling multiples and I ended up getting the number one new release badge. And I went ahead and I posted in a Facebook forum and I think it was in Jim Cockrum's. Yeah. This is like the only part of the story. I think last year you had told me. So now, yeah. now, now we're finally catching up to like the one part of your life I, I know about. That so, you know about. Yeah. yeah. So I posted there and it was. Um, yeah, I think I posted in like the title of the post was like four weeks and, un- and $100 to a sole private label product. And back in, you know, 2016, at least what I had been aware of, it was, most people were not sourcing here in the U S that was not something you could do that quickly or yeah. that, in- that inexpensive. And so that caught a lot of attention. I got a lot of the moderator's attention and it was just, it kind of spun out of control from there. I realized that I continued to source from promotional companies. So promotional companies, you know, they're the ones that write your company's logo on a, on a mug or on like some sort of your helium 10 pens right here. Mm -hmm. And so that would be a promotional company that usually, uh, that prints on there. So they customize basic products and, you know, and then, and then they sell them to companies who usually use them as giveaways. Right. Well, I decided, well, if they're going to customize a product, why can't they customize it with something that's not a logo, but something that's more, I don't know, unique that would be sellable like the mm. mugs where it's like world's best boss yeah. or something like that, where you could do it, where it would actually have emotional value. So everything was based on emotional value because no one's going to buy a pen. No one's going to buy a mug for $15 when you can go buy a mug 
at the dollar store for a dollar. The functionality is the same. It's the emotional value that you're adding. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of my, that was my niche that I kind of got into. So now are these, were these companies that you were sourcing from, were they made in USA or was it made overseas? So they were, well, that kind of gets into difficult things. So the, um, customizing plant. So usually what they do, like promotional companies, mm -hmm. they'll buy from China overseas okay. and they'll buy, you know, half a million units of these kind of clicky ah, pins. Okay. And then they put them there and then they have the custom printers here in the U S so the Makes turnaround sense. time, super short yeah. and they already, they can pass on that kind of yeah. cost. So it's really, it's kind of like buying it at a wholesale price. You get it customized, whatever you want to, it's unique to you. So that was the private label portion of it. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so, so that's what you, uh, how long did you, did you do that? Like in 2016, was that pretty much the majority Absolutely. of your sales come from that model? I never went back to retail arbitrage. Never. I've yeah. still never done wholesale. Yeah. I jumped straight to that. Mm -hmm. So in 2016, your first semi full year of Amazon, how much did you gross? Yeah. Okay. So turning around that year, it was probably 600, just shy of about 650,000. I did a lot with bundling. I mean, I think that's where that, that was the next big jump. And I learned a ton of lessons there. So what? So, but you're bundling, but not all of these necessarily, like you said, had messages on them. It was like the, your customization was not necessarily putting somebody's name or a company name, but like design wise or design. Yeah. Okay. So I had, you know, design. But then how would you make that emotional thing? Like you said, if it doesn't, I mean, a design doesn't really have an emotional connection. No, uh, it certainly can't. A message can. So first Me of all, okay, I'm going to say go. that your emotional crayon box is like the pack of eight, right? But there's like 64 <laughs> yeah. out there, you know? Okay. So most people think of emotions where they're like, you know, I watched the movie inside out. Yes. There's like happy, sad, yeah. afraid, all those, but then there's things like pride, right? And you have team pride, you have family pride, you have, you know, those, type. I mean, you can buy like, uh, you know, an LA sweatshirt and you know, they can charge $50 for that because it says Los Angeles, because it says something like that. They have given emotional value to a sweatshirt that would otherwise not because it would cost five, $5. I'm still just getting over the fact that you sold almost three quarters of a million dollars of this kind of thing. But was that your peak? Did you like start doing other things or what year? That was the peak. That was the peak. Okay. Tell me this. What was, this is manufacturing USA. Of course they have pretty good margins because they are made in China, but there's customization. What was the profit margins on products so like it, that? It, it was a, a wide range. So when I think about the fact that, you know, I bought like, so that thing that was a business card, right. Mm -hmm. That went from, I mean, my total landed cost, depending on how much I was actually buying you know, it was anywhere from 79 cents, I think to like a dollar 20 or something, but I was selling it for nine ninety nine after Amazon fees, which was like five and a quarter or something. I mean, there was still several dollars left over. The problem with that is it was, um, low dollar amounts, but high volume, right? So if you only made a couple dollars off each one, you had to sell a ton, like a ton to get to that point. Whereas, you know, so that's a different model. A lot of people don't look at that. They don't look at parameters, right? When you're using tools, you mm -hmm. tools, you're looking at things like, I don't, don't, don't show me anything that would be under, you know, 1499 or something. And don't show me anything that's going to be oversized or like above the nine, that kind of price range. So I flew under the radar with things like that. Were some of these, these drawbacks, the reason why you started shifting away, because of course, you know, anybody who might, Hey, I just went from zero to 600,000 a year. You know, somebody might be listening right now. I was like, well, why didn't you just keep going? So like, why, why did you, well, is that still a viable way of doing things for somebody here in 2020 to find one of these promotional companies and do things? Or? Certainly. Uh, first of all, there's promotional companies everywhere. There's promotional companies. Down the your print shop is technically a promotional company. You have to kind of open your mind to like, even a piece of paper, if it has something printed on here, if I put a sign that, you know, just took a blank piece of paper and you put a sign that was like ninja entrance only. And I put it on your ceiling, like one of your, you know, 
floor tiles here, Ninja exit, Ninja mm-hmm. entrance. I mean, like that, yeah. you can show how to use that and that could be interesting. With that model, um, it was not cost effective for me to send it to a 3PL. It was not cost effective for me to send it to someone else. So then I started having like, you know, next door neighbor come in and just, you know, pay, you know, some kid from high school come in and start assembling these things. But again, I'm living in Boston, a one bedroom apartment. I don't really have the room and space for that. So it started being not scalable for that reason. And I also started just not liking to do it anymore. And that's been a really big theme in my life is you try things and you learn from experience of what you like, what you don't like, what works well and what doesn't work well. And I really enjoyed the team building component and kind of getting in more into hiring and, you know, kind of cultivating now like leadership and building a team. How do you go from selling Amazon to like, I'm going to build teams? Well, I mean, it's still, I still say in the realm of Amazon, yeah. I just work on the operational side of things. Okay. So now I have a team, we have a team that there's you know, 14 full-time people and it's kind of building, finding, hiring those. So what the transition piece that you're probably looking for there was, um, you know, I, I just, I, I tried a lot of different things, you know, so we did sort of the information piece of things. And I realized that wasn't really my cup of tea. It was fun while it lasted, but that's just not, wasn't my cup of tea. And then, you know, we had the bundling extension and we kind of did that. And that was interesting. That was mostly for us to be used internally, but then it kind of got external. And then, um, I really just started what I found was, uh, unintentionally, I was pretty successful at hiring people overseas, especially in the Philippines. Okay. So then, um, over time, over time, over time, I ended up basically building an international recruitment agency. So head, a headhunting recruitment agency. So I would help other Amazon sellers find talent in the Philippines that was specifically had, had what they were looking for. So most of them with Amazon experience. And I was able to work and vet them because I understood Amazon. And, you know, sometimes people can write on their resumes, beautiful things, but then I could ask them three basic questions and be like, nope, you don't know any of this. You can't really run an account. So I started kind of being that bridging that gap with the people that I knew the network that I had and my team over in the Philippines, they were kind of powering the, the hiring vetting process for me. And then I would do the final say. So that's kind of how I transitioned. Have you yourself completely stopped selling on Amazon in any way? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't difficult to like, once you started, I mean, mean, isn't it kind of addictive having the satisfaction of, of seeing a product go from zero to hero? And I mean, like, isn't that addictive? Like, how, how did you give that up? I think I just kind of let them all dwindle. I mean, and especially when you're talking about, um, something so simple as once someone recognizes that that's just a business card. I almost self-sabotaged. Like I would Mm. talk to people about it and that's kind of that, you know, I like to be open and kind of sharing and share those types of things. But then you realize that really can damage your business. And so I think the whole thing just came from me like, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do, or this isn't the best thing. It's kind of interesting, the mindset of somebody who who goes from one to the other and then back and and being able to get away because I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's almost become like an addiction. Not, not in a bad way. Sure. I mean, you know, like if you're just addicted to the game and you're losing money, yeah, that's bad if you're addicted, but, sure. but you're the first person I've ever known to kind of like be able to give that, give that up. And you obviously you have a smile on your face right now. You're not, yeah. you're, you have no regrets about that. I'm so, so cool. happy where I am right now. I mean, I it just, I, I love it. And, um, I mean, you know, the, the truth is though, you just have to, Um, you just said entrepreneur, you're Mm -hmm. like most entrepreneurs. That's why I kind of say, I don't know that by definition, I'm really a great entrepreneur. I have strong entrepreneur tendencies. I'm really good with vision. I'm good with creativity, but I'm a lot better at putting systems together and, 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 and processes and being able to determine, uh, you know, looking, looking at a big, let's call it a project, but a big or, or a company or an organization and say, okay, we want to go from here to here. 
And how do we, how do we get there? Like what resources do we need? And by resources, a lot of times that's people, you know, also not just systems and tools, but it's all, you know, SOPs and all of that, but it's also just who's going to be the right fit to, to go here. And that is a fun game for me. Like that is something that I like to build. And so now again, agency is 14 people and I'm really, really proud of that. So I'm very, very happy staying this. So I'm still in the Amazon space. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. just in a different capacity. And then plus two, when you, when you work as kind of an agency or team building or, or just doing any kind of management for people, it's kind of like, you know, when you're in the education space or, you know, me being a Zumba instructor before. When you, uh, where's Bradley going with this one? So people are asking like, what in the world is he talking about? But it's like, uh, I've talked about it a lot. You know, people don't understand that the feeling that you get when you help somebody at the same, even if you're getting money for it, Mm -hmm. but if you see somebody happy and you know that you played a role in it or like, Hey, you can take it. It's it's not your product. You know, it wasn't just because of you, but you can like take pride in that, even though it's not your product. And and it's a very satisfying, satisfying, satisfying feeling for sure. Yeah. All right, now be, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into your thirty second tip, and maybe it's, it could be about your very unique style of of how how to find companies you know that you source from before. But but don't worry about that right now. Before we get into our thirty second tip, we are gonna play the uh, search volume game. I, I've been going like a madman on my computer here trying to find what keywords I'm gonna do for you because I sometimes do it based on the person's name. I sometimes do it based on where they're from, and I've just been having a, a heck of a time trying to find three. So. <laughs> What I decided to do was uh, I found three here in Helium 10 Magnet. And again, for anybody who's out there listening for the first time, we have this thing we call the search volume game, where I give the guests three keywords that are very related to each other. And each of these are keyword phrases that are searched on Amazon. And because of Helium 10 Magnet, I actually have the estimated search volume, monthly search volume. In other words, how many times they're searched for a month. And then I'm going to give you three keywords and three search volumes. And then you've got to tell me what you think goes to each one. All right. And there's no pressure here. Um, and all the time I've done this, only no one pressure. person has ever got it right. You know, you'd think by just law of averages, you know, m- more would have got it. Right. I've done this like 12 times and only one person has got it right. But that's, that's not, that's the whole point of why I do this is to show people that, Hey, just because you think something is searched for a certain way, or you sure. think something is a certain way, that does not mean that customers in general do it. So always look at the data instead. All right. So I'm going to sort this by length of phrase. And the three phrases are. Boston Red Sox, okay. Boston Shaker, which I didn't know what that meant until I clicked on it right now. I don't know what that is. You don't know what that is either. No. Is this like a? Yes, yes. <laughs> she, she was she was shaking her her hand. Yes, like yes. Okay, it's good. You guys can look this up too. Don't 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 use magnet guys right now if you're playing the game. And Boston Terrier, you know what that is, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So the three search forms they're they're, they're not very uh, far apart here. I'm going right. to give it to you from most to least. There's one of these keywords has 5,000 searches a month. Okay. Okay. The next one has about 4,000. Okay. And then the one that has the least is about 1,700. So again, it's Boston Red Sox, Boston Shaker, Boston Terrier. So which one goes to which? Shaker, Sox, Terrier. Shaker is the most. most and then. Wait, it was Boston Shaker? It was Boston Shaker. Can you, can I see a picture? Am I allowed to see a picture? Does that Let cheating? Let me see. Um. No, it's exactly what you said. It's like, I think it's like. But is it branded? I mean, why is it called Boston? I have no idea. But it's it's a it's a it's a keyword. Boston. But but we can't. But I can't see a picture. I don't. I mean, no. You you described it. I mean, it it is that thing that you like a martini shaken, not stirred. You know, it's like you you put it (laughs) there and then you you shake it and then you. (laughs) Take it off. Like, okay. it's kind of hard to do this to the people who are uh, just listening. They have no idea what we're talking about, but you and I are making like gestures to each other so we can understand. 
it's like protein shakes, right? Like you put in there, there's a little ball no, in the middle, and uh, you like it shake. No, not, no, 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 not that. Okay, it's like a tumble, <laughs> a tumbler. You know what a tumbler glass is, right? Oh, you, you and then another about tumbler the glass, martini. Yeah, yeah, it's for it's for alcohol for sure. Okay. It's, okay. it's where you have the tumbler glass and then you put another tumbler glass that fits over it and then you shake it, shake I it, shake see. it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then my, my, it still stands. Okay. Um, so you said so uh, shaker. Boston shaker number one. Number two? Uh, shaker. The other two were uh, Boston Sox. Red Sox and Boston Terrier. And Terrier. All right. So just like almost everybody else, you got one right. Cool. The Boston shaker yep. has 5,000 searches a month. Okay. Boston Terrier has 4,000. Okay. And Boston Red Sox has 1,700, probably because they just traded their best player to my Los Angeles Dodgers for no reason <laughs> at all. So people are very upset with it. But anyways, there we go. All right. Okay. We want to get to the part of the show called the or the TST 30 second tip, something that's oh. valuable for our listeners and that you can say in 30 seconds or less. I think a lot of areas would probably come in the terms of hiring. So when I do hiring, um, wherever I post the job post, I always add to the bottom of the job post at the very bottom five custom questions. Now, usually three to four of them are based on specifics related to the job. And that gives me a baseline metric to measure against. So I know that whatever resumes come in, I know that I can answer all those. But the really important part of that is if they don't, and I'm telling you 90% of people won't even scroll to the bottom of a job post. If they don't, I'm not interested in them because they weren't interested enough to scroll to the bottom. And so that's really important. So it gets baseline metrics. My first custom question that I ask every single person does not matter. The role is called in your own terms or your own words. What do you, uh, how do you define managing up? And I put that in quotes because what that is, is knowing what your boss's job is and anticipating and being proactive about it. There, that is the number one quality in my personal opinion for anyone, anywhere, any job. That's the best thing you can do for job security. And if they know how to help manage me and make my life easier, I'm going to love working with them. That was pretty good. That was good, uh, good information because oh, I think I uh, a lot of other things too. I think a lot of people, you know, when I put them on the spot to give that, you know, they think that they have to give some kind of hack or strategy, right. like, Hey, I need to do a Kevin King level thing. But, nope. um, a lot of people, they miss the, the, the operation side of, of running a business, regardless <gasps> of if you're in e-commerce or you're a public speaker or you're a team builder there's an organization around it and there's SOPs. There needs to be SOPs and, there, needs to be SOPs. there needs to be, you know, a strategy of how you're going to, you know, hire, how you're going to have your uh, company relationships. I mean, all kinds of crazy things that people just don't want to think about. They just want to think about, Oh, I'm going to find my next product. You know, what's my PPC cost? What's my a cost? Sure. So I think that's very important that we have somebody here like yourself who, who gave us this insight. All right, Chrissy, thank you so much for flying all the way out here just to record this podcast. Just you know, for you. Oh my goodness. We really appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate your unique story. Definitely unique. I don't know if we'll ever have another Chrissy uh, here with, with that kind of backstory, but it, it goes to show you that, that there are a lot of different ways to succeed in e-commerce. You can even stop selling on Amazon, guys. You can stop a near million dollar business and still be successful in e-commerce. So you learned that from Chrissy today. Chrissy, I'd love to have you back maybe next year and see how now you're, you're selling on Taobao in China or something, since you seem to love to pivot and completely change. Oh my God. See? It's finding what your niche is, finding what you like to I'm do. I'm not making fun of you. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you props for that. I love how, what's the word, flexible you are with yeah. your career and you're successful, it sounds like, in everything you've tried. So appreciate yes. it. Thank All you. right. Thank you so much, Chrissy. See you later. Quick note, guys, don't forget that regardless where you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on your iPhone or on Stitcher or on Spotify, that you hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we drop a new episode.